Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix, Season 3, Episode 8, Moral Midgenry. As I always have a trouble, little trouble pronouncing that. As we discuss the world of the, the, of the Wire, we are fully entrenched in the season. Um, I'm, as always, I'm enjoyed by one, Robert Sapp. How you doing, Mr. Sapp? Yo, doing well, doing well. I hope everybody's doing well out there. Yeah, yeah, no question. Everybody, everybody out there is being safe. Um, this was an episode uh, that was ranked 22nd all time by Vulture, directed by Agnestic, Agnescus Kaza Holland, um, and of course the epigraph, Crawl, Walk, and Then Run by one. Senator Clay Davis, one of my favorite characters in the history of the show. Um, theme, we talk about themes. I had I had not exactly how we planned and no honor amongst thieves. Um, before we get into the episode, this was a, Vulture has a rank 22nd. I completely disagree. This to me was a legit anywhere from top 10 to top 15 episode. Probably I would lean towards top 10. This. This was a fast-paced move. Fast. This was a fast-paced episode in a good way. Uh, fast-paced from uh, in terms of television, it felt like a television episode from that. From terms of pacing, but still not taking away the theatrical, the uh, novella, novellic part of what we love about The Wire, if that makes sense. And I, to say, love this episode is an understatement. It, it was an episode with a lot of payoff. It was an episode where we, again, see, you know, our reformers, see reformers and status quo and ideologies go head to head and just completely clash. And where we, you know, it, it, this was one of these episodes where you you got your, if you, if you stood with the show for however many long seasons, if you got, you where you got Ben, you this was the payoff. This was a major payoff episode. Like if you, so if you were frustrated in season one, uh, if you were frustrated in season two, this episode I think was a uh, was a re, was a major reason why you know it was worth staying with uh, as far as the pacing early on in episodes early on in seasons. Um, we begin in Amsterdam, excuse me, um, where. You have drug dealers, dealers um, get robbed. Uh, you had a they had a guy that was running this scam where he had a bunch of jewelry and watches and and basically told this one particular drug dealer, hey, you know, uh, Rafiq, tell him Rafiq sent you on on you know getting this hookup on this on this ice. He sent he sends him to a a, a, a row house that's abandoned. That's a boat. That he sends him to a, a row house that is full of drug dealers who have been tricked, uh, who have had the same game run on them. So it was about at least four or five of them in there who had got uh, have been robbed and tied up and um, that you know mask and tape. So we see that um, we see that the drug the guy comes out of course frustrated. The drug dealer the guy comes out frustrated. Um, and the cops, uh, cops, of course, see it. We'll, and we'll talk more about this scene. There was another, it was second part of the scene as well. So we already see some, you know, we saw it last episode where at night when Bubbles was walking through Amsterdam. So we see with this episode, we saw a lot of cracks in terms of Amsterdam and things that 
frankly, Major Colvin did not plan on when he thought this thing out. Uh, what was your thoughts on this uh, opening scene uh, of, the, of the episode? Yeah, the last thing you said was um, probably kind of like the overarching, like the piece of it, right? Like it's like the, we've been talking a lot about the reformers. And so like, this is what happens. Like you can have a great idea or have a reform that you, or have something that you want to reform, but if you don't have a plan for it, then there can be repercussions. And so we're starting to see the beginning of that. Yeah, yeah, we we saw it a lot. Uh, throughout this episode, uh, you know, uh, a lot throughout this uh, particular episode. Uh, we go to the detail. So the detail has tracked uh, the burners, um, so the Barksdale burners to various locations around the DMV uh, area, whether it's in Virginia, Maryland, on, you know, throughout I-95. So they are seeing that they, the Barksdales are driving 200 miles apart out of sheer caution um, in terms of where the in terms of where Bernard was buying these um, buying these uh, burners <clears throat> was buying these, excuse me these track phones and frankly uh, you know you see Freeman and Daniels are frankly impressed by just the sheer caution that they, they have to, that they have taken um, in terms of going about this, uh, you see, you hear um, Daniel say it's beautiful. Then you see Press Lucy says, you know, says what? And uh, Freeman, you know, finishes up, finishes up saying the discipline of it. Um, so they're starting, they, they track, you know, they track these burners to uh, uh, various places in, in which we will see how that will uh, play out. Um, what, what were your thoughts on, you know, on them just acknowledging uh, just the sheer caution of, of, of what the box sales were doing with this particular part of the operation. Um, that question is leading the witness counselor. That, that's, that's your thing. That's the thing that, that you marvel at. Um, this is, this is to me, the unraveling of it to quite I'll be honest with you. Um, like, yeah, 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 yeah. They, we, we know the bark they that's the reason that the detail is on them is because it requires a different level of police work, one that's more investigative than just coming in. So we, we, we've already known that the Barksdale organization and other organizations around it, I mean, like they're not the first, they've all, we've already had a history of uh, given a history lesson many times in the show of drug dealers who never even got caught, who never even came under the suspicion of police at all. So, um, so this is, it isn't anything new. What's interesting is now the police have kept caught on. Now the detail has caught on and now it becomes, from the details perspective, it becomes about how they get a wire up and off all these moving pieces. So it's the beginning of that process. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, yeah, so they're, they're tracking them. They track their burners to, like I said, the various areas and they are attempting to figure out how to get a wire on these burners, which of course is difficult because, you know, they toss away the burners, burn, they, uh, they, these burners are disposable and it's not like it's, you know, which makes it that much more, makes it almost impossible to get a, a wire up on them. So they're in the process of figuring that out, uh, of, that, of, of trying to figure that, uh, figure that part out. So yeah, I'm glad you uh, mentioned, uh, mentioned that. Um, 
you have Colvin and the Deacon. So Colvin is showing uh, the Deacon the quiet parts of uh, the benefits of Amsterdam by showing him his quiet uh, corners. And, you know, he says, hey, that, those are, these are birds chirping. And you see just people just, you know, happy. Excuse me, you see people just happy you know, because they don't, they're not dealing with hoppers and drug dealers flooding their, their communities and their neighborhoods. Of course, we will later on see the other side of it. Uh, what was your thoughts on this, on this uh, quick scene? Uh, yeah, set up. Go back to Hampton with Carver. Um, of course, this is a continuation on the opening scene where the drug dealers are filing, uh, filing or complaining about being robbed and one of the drug dealers, the guy who actually got robbed, who, who we saw, the big dude who we saw get get robbed um, in the opening scene, he he says that, you know, he wants to file a complaint. And then Herc is like, so you want to file a complaint that you got robbed selling drugs. So then, so a couple of things we see in this scene, we see, you know, again, we, a continuation of some of the dissension uh, within the Colvin's ranks, and um, uh, we see what this uh, what this will what this will lead to. But this main the main this main part of this was the drug dealers complaining about being robbed and wanting to uh, and one of them one demanding to file a uh, complaint to uh, Carver as Herc as as Herc stood by. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, that's the technical thing that happened, but. To your point, the bigger thing is the more emotional component of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're asking for you know whatever it is that they're asking for. None of that matters. The point of it is the officer, um, the officer's reaction to it, um, and their reaction is one of disgust and dis disbelief, which, as you already pointed out, is eroding confidence that anything will happen. And nobody ever outside of COVID, nobody else ever wanted this per se. But they, some were willing to, uh, the majority were willing to go with it out of sheer loyalty and or the belief, the lie that Coven said of, of you know, this is this is a a operation. Um, and all of that is starting to erode very, 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 very quickly. Yeah, we, we would definitely see what that what that uh, leads uh, leads to not only. Uh, in this episode, but in uh, you know, in a future uh, future episodes, um, yeah, go back to the detail, and um, they of course want to know who is buying the cell phones or buying the track phones. So this is the beginning of the McNulty uh, Kima road trip, as they you know they kind of they sent they are sent out to find out who. Um, you know who are who are tracking. They they are sent out to find out who are um who are buying the cell phone or who are buying these uh, particular uh, track phones. Uh, any thoughts on this? Um, set up, set up. We go back to uh, Colvin, the Deacon, and Carver. So the Deacon comes down to Hamsterdam. The comes down to Hamsterdam, and he sees what's going on, and he of course is mortified to say the least. He criticizes him, uh, criticizes uh, Coven about, you know, criticizes Coven. He sees the drug use. He sees the girls, um, sees everything that he sees all the kids. So, you know, he, you know, he kind of gives whole Coven a piece of his mind. And then Carver 
again, brings up the fact of uh, how many kids were, the number of kids that were down there. And he sarcastically <laughs> makes a joke as far as, hey, maybe we should bring, maybe we can get them police cars, not police cars, but police, um, maybe we can make them auxiliary cops get them bikes and, 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 and walkie talkies. And he's, he's being, of course, he, you know, he's completely, he's joking, um, sarcastic. He's being sarcastic and Colton takes it yeah. as like, hey, mate, that's not a bad idea. And, and then Carl, you see the first, for the first time you see Carver kind of like, what, like, are you serious? Like get that, are you serious look to Colton. Um, Dill, so what are you th your thoughts on the Deacon's response, reaction, as well as the Carver-Colvin interaction? Yeah, two things. One, the Deacon, so one, now we, we got, we have a clear parallel, right? Like, um, so we have a clear parallel between what Cuddy's going through and we have a clear parallel between what um, Colvin is going through. And so yes. uh, remember, at right now, um, not right now. This this is where, where what it is. The Cuddy is doing reform right. He's the only one who's doing reform right. And everything that happens with him and every interaction he has is very, very important to the show's statement on how to do reform really well, how to do change really well. Colvin, on the other hand, not doing it really well. And it's 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 fantastic that the priest comes between or the deacon comes between both of them right like like you'll 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 get his perspective on both of both of their both of their their journeys um and so uh i'll leave i'll leave it right there there's more to get into but i'll leave it right there yeah i mean they they are in similar positions as far as just they have a beginning i talk in terms of coping and then um Cuddy is kind of like they're at point A, but they are just they are struggling mildly to get from point A to point B. Like they they were like you know basically yeah point A is not the end all be all, but they like they're just they they were struggling to get to those points uh, to get to those next steps. Well, that, I mean, uh, it's, take that next step. It's like what we've been talking about. Like yep, it's, uh, to add on to that. No, I was just gonna say to add on to that, it's like what we've been talking about. Like they're they're both the refer they they both represent different they're reformers of the season, they represent different different reforms, so it's gonna look differently um for for both of them. Um I would I would I would say that um Colvin found his point A and now is is actually regressing. You're absolutely right with Cuddy. Cuddy took forever to get to his point a but now he's at his point a and he's about to progress it's the show it's more what the show is saying or what's also important is what the show is saying about that journey about their successes and their missteps right and so if if colvin is regressing it's why is he regressing at this point and if Cuddy's just getting to his point A, it's why did that journey take so long? And what did that journey do? That that journey before he got to his point A, what did that mean in terms of what he's going to have going forward, especially the success he has going forward? No question about it. Uh, we get back to uh, McNulty and Kima. So this is the first of a 
number of, of, of different um, little mini marts that they visit to uh, try to try, try to track down uh, Bernard and, and the fact, you know, try to track down, not track down Bernard, but track who is, is buying the track phones, which we know, of course, it was Bernard, is was Bernard. So the first one, the, the first mini mart they go to, they, they, you know, fall flat as far as finding information. The guy um, did not have, um, did not have the tape, well, had the tape, but uh, was, was had uh, erased the tape, uh, had a, had erased the tape. So they, so that, that, you know, that, you know, that first mini mark, you know, falls flat. Then we see uh, they weren't able to get any information from that one. Then we see McNulty get a call from Landsman in regards to Brianna, Brianna Barksdale. Remember, um, earlier in the season, you had McNulty pressing, uh, uh, coming up to Donette and then Donette, of course, that, that, you know, had a triggering effect on, not a triggering effect, but that, that had a, uh, she, you know, goes to Brianna. So now, uh, Brianna wants to reach out, um, to McNulty, um, and McNulty says, I even, I even forgot that I even pressed that case, uh, that case. Uh, so we'll see how that, you know, that's definitely a big thing to keep in, keep in mind for the, for this, uh, episode, um, this episode moving forward uh what were your thoughts yeah it's, it's set up for a little bit further episode so i'll link this scene back when we get there all right so we go to uh avon and slim they are at the, the funeral of the, of the guy who was shot uh who was shot next to poop if you remember last episode rico so avon finally marlo finally has avon's attention um in terms of like we can't go conventional on him. So he says to Slim, can't, you know, we can't uh, go to the front. We can't go to the front with this dude, you know, to creep up, you know, to creep around the back. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But at this point, right, at this point for the first time in the season, we see Avon that Marlo kind of has Avon's full, full of, it has Avon's full attention. Uh, as far as what, uh, as far as what he needs, uh, as far as you know, moving forward against in this Barksdale Stansfield war, uh, what were your thoughts? Yep, agreed. And set up for more coming in the episode. Uh, we go to Stringer and Clay Davis. Um, so Stringer, of course, is frustrated. Uh, things are not moving uh, to his liking as far as you know with the real estate. And he's frustrated, saying that you know it's just he, he, all I'm, all you're doing is having all I'm feeling is a constant lightness in my wallet. You know where's this at? Where's that at? And Clay is trying to Clay, you know, is trying to calm him down, saying, "Hey, we got this coming, in, you know, on Monday. We got some per we got some permits coming on Monday. We got the uh, I forgot what he mentioned. He says, you know, you're going to be the the uh, owner of the light bulbing." light bulbing deal for like he says which was like five thousand dollars for laying the cut so he, he kind of semi calm stringer down um and tells him hey you're not right now with your mentality you're not really ready for the real estate game uh and he says the epigraph crawl walk and then run and what i found amazing about this scene and now that I, you know, I rewatched this episode and this season off, you know, multiple times. But the idea that Clay Davis was not was hustling him was one thing. But he actually gave he, 
he's hustling him and giving him great advice at the same time, which I just, which is brilliant writing by the show. Because, I mean, it's not a, it's a deal. If you're trying to get into real estate, anybody is trying to get into real estate knows that you don't just get into real estate and just start selling, selling houses or developing projects. That's not how it works. So there is a, there is an apprenticeship. There is a, there are steps of progression. You talk to any realtor. Um, so he's telling, yes, crawl, walk, then run. Great advice. But Stringer, of course, you know, is ready to run. So we'll, you know, we'll see how that, uh, we'll see how this transpires. But I just found it, it just, it just jumped off the meat how, yeah, he's hustling him, but yeah, they're also giving him great advice at the same time. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Clay Davis is a piece of shit. So you all have to remember that. And then the second, the second thing is um, that uh, that's part of any good hustle. Like the the client can't feel like they're being hustled. Yes, so yes, that, you have yes. to endear yourself to yep. them yep. Um, in order to, to get their complete buy-in. So the, it actually plays to me if the all of Clay's interaction with Stringer, all I can see is how big a fool Stringer is. Um, and, and in this part, Clay's doing what Clay does. This is what Clay does. Um, uh, and so, um, yeah, yep. Yeah, no, there's, there's no question about it. Um, so we get, we go back to the dealers in the Western District. They, of course, filed the, the, the one dealer, a couple of them filed the complaint. So we see um, Spider. Our buddy Spiders is amongst one of the dealers that were down, <clears throat> down at the police station playing with the identikit. Uh, we see Herc and Carver. So they're playing with his identikit. And they get to a point where, and we and we mentioned, and not we, um, Carver mentioned this before that, that, you know, that that wasn't going to, you know, that that wasn't going to be, make, that wasn't going to be of any effectiveness. As far as as far as that goes, he of course is exactly right. So they're playing with this identikit, and then Herc gets involved and turns the identikit into a uh, woman. Uh, so Herc uh, Carver comes around, looks at Herc, you know, looks at Herc, makes you know, looks at her as you know, like you know, are you serious right now? And we see you know, we, we see just a complete waste of time um and collegio oh one other thing yes very important collegio the, you know who has the, the, uh, the who says who um says the title of the episode moral moral misery throughout the course not throughout the course but over the course of the episode he clearly is frustrated and we'll see him we're gonna see him over the course of this episode uh just continuously uh get being pissed off about what is going with uh, what is going on so that to me was the most important part of this scene his frustration at the latter part of this scene what were your thoughts yep nope you named it you named it that's absolutely what that thing was about and also too we can um in terms of Herc and carver again and i mentioned this earlier in the season they're continually separation in terms of the directions they're going like Carver's looking at Herc like, you're supposed to be, this supposed to be a cop. That's what I thought, like you're supposed to be a cop and you're playing with these kids in essence, which he was. So you, so that, that was, those are the two things that came out of that scene um, um, in, regard, in regards to that. So we go to, um, we, go, we go back to the deacon. Uh, the deacon continuously expresses his concern about Amsterdam. He, you know, says, you know, 
you're like the blind man and the elephant. Like, where's your, you know, where's your you know, needle exchange? Where's your, uh, you know, where are your drug treatments, things of that nature. So he gives, he's giving, uh, he's giving Coben like uh, another way to see what is going on. Coben just sees, is like Coben, like Stringer, like Avon, like Minolte has complete tunnel vision. So he gives Coben another, he's giving Coben another vision of what, of what he should be focusing on as well, uh, focusing on besides the fact that his the crime rate is dropping and his corners are are are, are clean are being cleaned up. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you said something pretty important there that I'm going to link once we get to that Comstat scene with Colvin. But um, yeah, it's 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 the what the deacon is doing is he's representing people's basic humanity. And yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's that's uh something Colvin wasn't considering in his reform. Is that no. these are human beings. No, not 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 at all. Um go back to McNulty and um uh, McNulty and Kima. So we see McNulty and Kima um at the market. They go to they find the the right Mondo market where they 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 strike the uh, hit the jackpot. They find them in the market where Bernard, if you remember, bought the eight track phones. And not only did they they get her, so they they're able to get a receipt. They're able to get to get that receipt, but not um, the videotape. But the most important part is the fact that they that they are able to get that receipt. And so now you know they are well on well they are uh, well on their uh, well on their way. Um, what were your uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Um. Yeah. I mean. I, yeah. Yep. Set up. So we go to the Cuddy with the Deacon. Um. With the Deacon cut. The Deacon got a lot of play in this episode. If you're not noticing, uh, a, a lot of lot of Deacon. Um. He's discuss Cuddy is discussing his next move. Uh. Basically saying, you know, I need to do something else. Uh, I, I. I. You know. I'm. Basically, he's expressing that, you know, he's kind of like stuck right now. And it's not, he says he's basically trying to, it's not about him doing for himself. It's about uh, him uh, doing something, you know, maybe like giving back, so to speak. Um, and right now, again, Cuddy doesn't, Cuddy doesn't know what that next, that next move is. And, um, you know, he's looking again, looking for assistance from, the, uh, from the deacon who he's established, who, who at this point he has established a trusting relationship with. Uh, what were your thoughts? Okay. All right. So, a few, no, 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 not a few. Usually the last episode, the episode before that, I said the wire posed a question. And the question was about, um, systems and how inherently flawed systems are um and that systems all the systems every single system you see in this show and therefore what they were equating all the systems in this this country whether it be news political school police um government they're coming after all systems and saying they're all inherently flawed and jacked up just that is just the flat out honest to God truth as presented by, by the show. And so then the question then becomes, all right, 
that's great as a show that you can point out everybody's flaws and everything's flaws. What's your answer? And this was this is their answer. And that's why Cuddy's the most important character on this show at this point in time, right now, and going forward. Um, because he is their answer. And the answer was directly in what you just what the character just said and what you just quoted the character in. How do I do this? It can't, it can't be about other people. I mean, it can't be about me. It has to be about other people. And so this is the beginning of his point, his point A that we're talking about. And not only his point A, but this is the beginning of the show's resolution to all of those problems. Now, will it look perfect? We'll look at we'll see we'll see where that goes. I mean, I think everybody can guess the answer. No, not like being and looking out and caring for other people and focusing on that won't look beautiful all the time. But ultimately, that's the this is the show's answer to all the systems in the show and in society being completely jacked up. No question about it. Um, you have. Carcetti, Ross, and Burrell at a at the at a, at a council hearing, and you hear um, Carcetti criticizing them. Um, you hear Carcetti criticizing them because Carcetti sees the decrease in crime, but he, you know, he says, you know, he he's very suspicious that. That uh, that this is that you know that these stats and numbers have been manipulated. You hear Raw saying, you know, basically, that I don't allow my people to do that. Um, you know this, and then you hear Burrell saying that, you know, basically, I he feels like this is an aberration, and if it continues, we'll you know continue to look further into it. And then Carcetti goes into his be goes into his uh, his routine of just ripping uh, Burrell and Rawls, uh, a new one. And you see Teresa DiGasquino, of course, his campaign manager, just walks out at this point, at that point and notices, and he notices that even throughout the course of his, of his spiel. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Uh, and of course, Tony, Tony Gray backs him up saying, yeah, something, you know, we got we to do something about this. But um, I guess the, the you know the important part was the fact that uh, watching her walk out um, because remember he's trying to be mayor so um, we'll we'll see how that, again this is this was kind of a this was kind of like a setup scene but there was still things going on with this particular scene as far as the you know the the higher ups uh, noticing getting starting to notice the decrease in um, in crime from COVID uh, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you you named pretty much everything. The only thing that I will also add was this was also kind of like the first time um, uh, Carcetti and Tony kind of spoke out at the exact same time. Right, yeah. So yeah. it's alluding to something. Like you said, set up, but I just wanted to point that out. It's alluding to something. Yes, yes. So you had, uh, <clears throat> go back to Amsterdam, with the deacon and Cuddy, uh, with the deacon and Cuddy, uh, Cuddy 
meets Roman. Now, the guy, the guy who plays Roman, of course, is the late Clarence Clemens, uh, who, of course, was part of the legendary E Street Band. Um, so he, you know, he makes an appearance, and you notice that over the course of the, this this series, a number of of, of, of non actors who were, you know, famous, who were famous, um, played various parts in over uh, in this series. He's one of them. So he meets he meets Cuddy. Um, the deacon, the deacon, of course, makes that introduction, and he tells the deacon, and we find out that, um, or the deacon finds out, we already knew this, that uh, Cuddy is into uh, box, is into boxing. Well, what were your thoughts? Ah, uh, shut up. So we go to um, Carcetti and Carcetti is uh, Carcetti with his wife and, Diga, and uh, Teresa DiGasino at dinner. They're discussing, of course, a you know she's telling like she's telling him basically like, look, you, you know you have a sharp tongue, you're smart, uh, ambitious, but you and, but you are consumed with getting getting winning the argument and getting the facts, and you're consumed and you're consumed with facts, and you take facts and you go beating on people with the facts. Says if you want to be, if you want to be mayor, governor, senator one day, it has to be you have to show them something else. And you, um, you know, she brings up Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, you know, basically, you know, saying Ronald Reagan wouldn't know a fact if it, you know, slapped him in the face. And Bill Clinton was, you know, was about making people feel comfortable, um, feel comfortable when they were in the same room if you were in the same room with them and we are and we know that's true because bill clinton bill clinton was a was uh you know very charismatic that was one of his traits as, as a president um so she's you know she's giving him another she's she's showing giving him another approach in order that he needs to follow in order to go to that next level of his political uh career uh what were your thoughts on this scene yeah, I mean, essentially what she's showing him is the difference between being a local politician in various board meetings and then how you want to get elected, like how do you become electable. Um, and so, um, yeah, she's just giving him a breakdown of that. And by the way, major foreshadowing when she says mayor, governor, senator, major foreshadowing from that standpoint. Um, McNulty and the sheriff. So <laughs> our guy McNulty. So McNulty, um, they're dead. They're still they're down in Virginia, whatever the place where they they, they spotted Bernard's uh, when Bernard bought the eight track phone. So they of course they want to they want to um, they want to get the you know want to get the videotape. Uh, so McNulty has the bright idea of going to. The local sheriff who he just assumes is a racist assumes the guy is a racist and basically goes into this whole spiel about baltimore city and and basically says you know blacks are just running are running the city and you know the the, the poor white man has no chance so and so then the note uh as mcnulty's telling his story and running his mouth putting his foot in his mouth the sheriff's you know, black wife walks out, who's also a cop, walks out, and he says, well, maybe not all, they're not all bad. Uh, they're actually some good ones. And then he realizes that at this point, it's probably best for him not to to discontinue this conversation and try to get, try to invoke Kima, 
to try to kind of try to smooth things over. So he recommends that uh, the guy meet his partner, uh, which is of course, which is Kima. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, set up. Uh, so we go to Avon and Slim Charles. Um, so Avon uh, is in the war with Marlo. So he's in a war with Marlo, but for, for whatever reason, he still can't get Omar out of his mind. So he brings up, he brings up Slim Charles, hey, I got this other thing. He tells first, first before he gets to Omar, he tells, tells uh, Slim Charles to put Devon, Devon on Marlo. So he says, put Devon on it. And he gives, then he gives Avon, he gives Slim Charles information um, on, uh, about Omar. Now, he mentions that uh, this is the address. gives it a, gives him an address for a so, the social services. Says that you know go basically go there and uh, get some information. You know, go there. We we have a contact down there. Of course, we'll find out who that contact is that will provide them with that information. But the big thing is that the big thing is that his trusted soldier, his top soldier, uh, Slim Charles, is like. Yeah, so you want us on Omar and Avon? Excuse me, you want us on Omar and Marlo both? And because he's mentioned, because keep in mind, Omar at this point has kind of laid off the Barksdales since, um, you know, since that shootout, since that shooting that that got uh, one of his got one of his girls killed. So he's kind of back. He's backed off the Barksdales, and we'll find more about that. in of course, over this episode, so he's back. He's backed off robbing Barksdale stash houses. He's been quiet from that standpoint. Um, so Slim Charles clearly doesn't agree with them being on, on um, both Omar and and Marlo. But again, he he has to follow orders. Avon being you know the, being the general, he has to follow. He follows his orders, takes the uh, information, um, and then we see again, we see Stringer walk in to the office, and they you know uh, they barely acknowledge each other. He says you know. Take care of business and says me too. And as Stringer says, you know, they like I said, they barely acknowledge each other, which shows you how far they are are, are, are apart at this point. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Okay. All right. It's 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 time for us to, to have some have a have some hard truth come out. All right, yes. on this one. Okay. So um the reason Avon is focused on uh, Omar is because he's never not been focused on Omar. Um, you want to talk about tunnel vision? That that is tunnel vision to 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 his utmost. Um, Avon defines tunnel tunnel vision um, in the show, and there like there's not like the character of Avon has never ever shown the ability to be able to um, to to out the, the character of Avon has never been shown to be a patient wait and systematically carry out the plan like a plan that I he created and carried it out from start to finish um, the Avon that we know of is hot headed and erratic and um, is very much a soldier and that that's that's exactly who um, he is showing himself to be at this point in time. And so then the parallel that you can, you can also draw 
on is then like the parallel with also with kind of like Bunny Colvin. Like um, if we were talking about where people are from their point A to their point whatever and getting on. So we can absolutely say the park sales have had found their point A and had been matriculating along through all the letters, all the points. And now there's a significant regression. And so we got to start looking at, well, why is that regression happening? And a big reason why is because the flaws that the characters have always had, the flaws that Avon has always had is starting to bubble up because of exactly the thing that you pointed out, because him and Stringer are all connecting. They balance each other out. Yes. Each of them on their own are not there or are who they are. Yes. And that wouldn't, that, that doesn't mesh with what the organization, the criminal organization needs no, to continue so, to thrive. To your point, I, I, there are two things I want to say to that. To your point, Avon, so early in, early in the series, in particular season one, Avon was very careful and he was, even though he was erratic, that we didn't see that as we we didn't see that as to this level that we're seeing it now because he him him and Stringer being connected allowed him to be just a general allowed him to be a general now he's at a point to where you to your point they're not connected he has to be in his mind as now he has to be general and soldier which you know is not going it doesn't you know it's not going to work out well it's not it's not work it's just not possible it's not possible it's not but again. <laughs> Again, we gotta we gotta come to to the to the ultimate conclusion of like the, of like what the what the characters are real and, and the the thing is you're you're making his acting like a soldier to be a conscious thought process. It's not a conscious thought process. Oh, it's a we... very fundamental flaw of him. It's a very no. It's a very mental flaw of him. He has a competitor, Marlo, and he has to beat him. That is it. Yes. He's not consciously, unconsciously slipping in between. He has a competitor. Marlo, I have to beat him. Period. Yes. McNulty no, laid out the path of a good drug of a good drug organization top heads. You get further and further and further and further away from the criminal activity. Not go jetting towards it. So that's what I mean. It's a fundamental flaw of the characters. Right. These no. are given if you sit the character of Avon and the character Stringer down in a sterile room and you're talking to them about like, what's the best way to do this, they can give you the best way to do that. Do each of the things. The mistakes that they're making are because they're so flawed. No, I mean, I agree with you. And they can't get over, they can't get over that thing. They can't no, get I, over it. I, I agree. No, they, they are. I mean, Eventually, this should, what, in what you're, what, and that's how they balanced each other out because where they're flawed, the other one is strong. Right. No, I completely agree with that. No, I I completely agree yep. with that. But I, I'm saying that they earlier in seasons, like I said, in season one, like I said, when they were together, it allowed it, it allowed Avon to not to not just you know go to be directly into that. So even though he always has said Avon's a soldier at heart, we know this, but he. You look at season one, he carries himself like a like, like this guy, like this guy was a president, a, a general. He carried himself in well, yeah. 
they they had beaten everyone at the, the time we came into the Barstow organization. They had beaten everybody. Right, right, right. And the, and the, the other point I wanted so, to make. Yeah, he was cool and confident. Every, anybody can be cool and confident when they want, when they're clearly the winner. It's what happens when somebody you're tested. Yes. No, no about it. Um, and also, we have to be. We have to mention this. We have to. I had to mention this before. We have to mention. We have to mention this. This was. This season took place in 2004, and clearly, David Simon was trying to send a message as far as what was going on in 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 real life in terms of the Iraqi war. So we really have to mention that as well. Like a lot. Of, like you'll see a lot of parallels with what goes on in this season as to what was happening also with the Iraqi with the Iraqi war. So. When Avon says, when, when Slim Charles says, I want you on Marlo, uh, when Avon, when Slim Charles says, you want us on Avon, on Marlo and and, um, and Omar both, uh, th that is definitely a reference uh, that, you know, speaks to, that, that definitely speaks to uh, where we were at in 2004 with, with, with going to war with Iraq and having, and having our attention, you know, split into different, uh, different different sections, different ways. And you can do that research on your own in terms of the Iraqi war. I'm not gonna go too far into that, but that was a backdrop of, of this season. And David Simon was trying to send a message with his writing over the course of the season in regards to that. So I, 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 this episode eight, I failed to mention that up until this point, but I thought I needed to uh, mention that now. Um, so we go to Omar, Kima, Kimmy, and Dante, they robbed Eastside, and of course they, you know, they went things went smooth. And you know, Omar said, "Hey, you know, Eastside wasn't ready." Kimmy says, "You know, that's what I'm talking. That's what I was, you know." Kimmy basically tell Kimmy basically says, to "Omar," and without saying it, this is what we should have been doing the entire time. So that that's what she wanted to say. Uh, that's what she was thinking. That's what her mind was thinking. Um, so they. Um, they have a bunch of money. Uh, they, you know, they, you know, they, they have a bunch of money. And of course, we, I mean, we know Eastside was easier. It was easier uh, robbing for, it was easier marks for Omar than Westside was. So quick scene, but quick scene, but uh, uh, we can uh, move on. Did you have any thoughts on that scene? Shut up. Yeah. Um, we go to the sheriff and McNulty and Kima. So the sheriff, uh, they finally get the they get a location on a video camera. Of course, they were not able to get the video from the inside the mark the, the market. But the sheriff says he, we had a I had a camera installed because the kids. He said the kids were giving the uh, the cashiers a hard time during during uh, after, after school, so he had a camera installed outside the uh, outside the store. So they. So uh, they will that he mentioned that he were able to uh, that he will, that he can get that videotape to them, you know, the next morning. And then of course he pulls Kima aside and says, uh, "Your partner, you know, bit of an asshole." And then you know she she said, "Yeah, really." So you had that with that particular scene. Anything you want to add to that scene? Yeah, no, I just I I, I thought that scene was perfectly executed. Yeah, yeah. Um, we go to uh, Cuddy, the Deacon, and Roman. So they go to the boxing gym. Um, they go to the boxing gym, and you see that um, Cuddy is in heaven. 
uh, for lack of a better term, he, you know, he, he looks around and you see that uh, his eyes light up. He, you know, he's definitely excited and great at, by the great, great, well played by Dennis, by, not Dennis, um, by Chad Coleman, the, the actor, because, you know, he, you see the excitement without him visibly kind of like smiling. He's just, you know, he's focused, he's looking around, he's turning, he's turning his head, he's, he's locked in. He's, you can tell at that point that he, like, this is, he knew that this was where he was supposed to be. So quick scene, but it definitely showed a lot in terms of what, it definitely showed a lot in terms of, uh, in terms of his love uh, uh, for, you know, for the sport of boxing and what was probably, what was going to be the next, his next step. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yep, you named it. So we go to the Western uh, officers. They are, um, this is at, at night. They are discussing uh, Amsterdam. So you have Collegio say the, um, say the title episode called, you know, called Amsterdam Moral Misery. And you have a number, you have about, you have at least about four or five officers, including Hurricane Carver. Uh, a couple of them, you know, you have a couple of them stand up for Bunny Coven, including Carver, including Carver. And then you have you have one officer who who uh, says somebody should die in the brass about this. So clearly this is a scene where um, everybody that where the ranks have, you know, kind of the rank and file has kind of split amongst what they what they're doing, what they should be doing. It ends up where you have Herc saying, look, let's let's give Coleman some slack. Let's give, you know, he's he's always cut us some, you know, let's give him some elbow room on this. Herc, even though he's not with it, says, you know, this thing is, is running on borrowed time anyway. Uh they're just gonna go back to their corners once we once we jump out on them. Collegio, but Collegio mentions, I don't think we're going to says, I don't think we're going to jump out on them. So again, this was a scene where the, the dissension was clear and evident amongst the, uh, the Western District officers. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, you named it. You named it. It's just like the, every part, every part of the opinion, or every part of the like the the differences of opinion were were really explored in this scene. Really well done. Yeah, so um, we go to McKean, not McKean, McNulty and Kima, they're in the hotel room. Of course, the next morning they're gonna go pick up, they're gonna get that tape and head out. But um, basically they're, they're in the hotel room and they're discussing their personal lives. Um, McNulty saying, I spent you know half my marriage in rooms like this throughout, you know, explaining how much cheating he's been, you know, he's done that he had done on his wife. And Kima questions um, how he could have done, you know, you know, how could you do, you know, do all this cheating? And of course he misinterprets that saying, giving her the exact tactical way of uh, making a call of, 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 of you know, giving her a, another way to, uh, giving her another way. Of course, that wasn't what she meant from that standpoint. She didn't, she didn't mean it from wanting, wanting another way to cheat, but, um, she meant it. She meant it as being like, "Why could you? How could you dog your? Uh, how could you dog your wife like that?" And he completely misread. He completely misreads that that um, that thought or that uh, he completely misreads that misreads Kima's uh, statement. And then um, 
and I don't know how you felt about this. Kind of, kind of was flirting with Kima towards the latter part of the scene. Some about the magic fingers and the porter box. I don't know how you how you thought about that, but they, I mean, basically the scene was them discussing their personal lives. She also mentioned that Cheryl had taken her back in the house, but says that it doesn't feel like she's she's not sure she wanted to be she wanted to be back. Um, so it was basically was a scene with them discussing their respective uh, personal lives with their uh, spouses and ex-spouses. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think this for me was like the final kind of like, of like Kima's fascination with with uh, McNulty. I think, and that's, the, I finally landed on the way that I wanted to describe it. And that, that was it. And I think like, um, to to the point that you made, like the conversation was like, like, all right, you as a person, like, how are you doing at, like, like, how and why are you living your life this way? Like, yes. what's the point of what right. you're, what you're doing? And like you said, like, he just gave her like the lesson on how to cheat. And she's like, wait, no, that's not anything of what I meant. Like, how do you do this? And so like, I think um, this, this, this definitely got to that 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 kind of like that point of where where Kima kind of like completely splits from Nolte protege protégeism or being um being fascinated with him. So that was the that was the part that stuck out to me. Yeah, I think in I think in her mind she probably said to herself, I don't want to be like this. I think that thought I think yep. those thoughts definitely cost her mind during that conversation, during that particular scene. Um yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, but again, again, remember the scene. There is some foreshadowing in this scene as well on the season. <laughs> so remember, it was, this this was a scene of foreshadowing as well as well. And we'll we'll talk about that later in the later in the season. Um, so we get to the deacon and Coven. Um, so the deacon at the beginning hustles a young man at pool. I thought it was hilarious. This is a this is a classic example of just old it's an old head just just walking this young dude into a a, 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 a ass whooping that that he didn't see coming. But again, he terms he, he more importantly expresses his concern about uh Amsterdam. And um basically you have Colvin. Colvin basically says, you know, look, I can I'm a police. Um I, you know, I, you know, I, I lock criminals up. Like Colvin is basically expressing his frustration from the standpoint of I don't know how to get to this point, this next point from point this, this next, uh, st this next uh, step uh, in terms of Amsterdam. But I feel I think Colvin in the scene was was saying was expressing that, you know, thinking that you know Amsterdam was was working. But the dean, you know, the, of course the deacon saying like, no, this is not. This is not going the way you know. This is you know, this is not working. But um, he told him he told him that they, uh, Colvin told him that he was stopped by during uh, after he had a conference. That mean that he was stopped by. So so um, they, they this is a scene. This basically is a setup scene for a later scene with, between those two, which I which I've just explained. But so we this is a scene. This is a setup scene between um, for Colvin and Deacon after the conference meeting. Uh, what were your thoughts? On this quick scene, yeah, agree. Set up. So we get to Stringer and Crawlcheck. Um, Crawlcheck 
tell Stringer. Uh, so they see this guy, this other developer named Chunky Coats. So Crawlcheck tells Stringer, Stringer sees this guy and Crawlcheck tells Stringer how much this guy benefited from working with uh, Clay Davis. And again, this is a continuation, just a continuation of the hustle. Uh, of the hustle that you know we'll, we'll you know that will come to, that we've continued to see throughout uh, the course of this season. Quick scene, but what were your thoughts on this particular scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. set up. We're, we're seeing we're seeing how it how how it entirely breaks down. Uh, we go back to the detail. Of course, we see Agent Fitzhugh, who we, we who we, we've seen a couple times. Well, not we've seen throughout the course of the series. The FBI agent he. Uh, allowed uh, Lester Freeman call to let him use some of his equipment. Um, so they look at the tape that that uh, McNulty and Kima got from uh, from the from the sheriff, and they know they get the license plate number. They get the license plate number of Bernard's car. Of Bernard's car, as you see, Prez get excited by you know showing being able to like uh, blow up the uh, the picture in the car. Uh, so he gets excited. He you know he gets excited about that. And then you see the notes, most important, more importantly, get a call from uh, Brianna Barksdale, which we will see how that plays out later in this episode. And Daniels, Daniels is basically kind of confused on why that was even, you know, why that uh, Nolte was even, that she was even, that Brianna was even reaching out. Um, so um, we, we will see how that plays out. But again, most important, a couple of things happen here. They get a car, they get the most importantly, they get the license plate on Bernard's uh, car. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yep. Um, everything you said is definitely, set, agree with everything you said, definitely set up. And then also, just pay attention. They're laying some very subtle groundwork with, uh, subtle hints, groundwork with Prez Belusky. Yeah, yeah, no. No, no, there's, there's no no question about it. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna see that that yeah, we're gonna see that quickly. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna see how that pays how that how that pays off quickly. Um, I'm actually talking about for next season. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, but we yeah. we, we see we, yeah. we we're gonna see that 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 payoff that, that that groundwork is gonna is gonna speed up. That's what I'm telling you within. You know, yep. next episode. Right? Yep. <laughs> so I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Bunny goes to the Comstat. He discusses. He now he's had a 12 percent decrease in crime. In crime, excuse me. And of course, Rawls is suspicious, saying that you know if we go through your numbers, there's not. We won't find a decimal point between the one and the two. Bunny says, you know, you know what? All my stats are clean. You can check them. But of course, it's suspicious because no one, no one at the meeting wants to take credit for it. Like even he asked Ross, asked Daniels, you know, um, you've been working there. What, you know, what's going on? Daniels said, "Hey, we're barely up on anything right now. Uh, we we're not making a lot of headway." So Ross, and rightfully so, is suspicious of this twelve percent decrease in uh in crime. And he said, he even mentioned it like something, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong with this picture? We have a twelve percent decrease, and no one wants to take uh, wants to take credit for it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, set up. Uh, so we go to McNulty and Brianna Barksdale. So 
Um, McNulty explains to Brianna, uh, he showed first, uh, he explained to Brianna what transpired, um, but what he thought, what he thought transpired uh, with, with uh, D'Angelo's death. He shows her the photo, says, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was death by strangulation. Basically says that, you know, it was a hit and it was, it was planned, you know, in prison people get shanked quick and clean. This one was a hit, takes planning, takes organization, takes planning and organization. Um, and basically he uh, has her feeling guilty for what her role in, um, in, in Brianna and uh, D'Angelo's death was. She initially tried to say that D'Angelo ki you know, kills himself, but that clearly is broken down by McNulty because he has nothing but facts in terms of what the case was. And also he brings up the fact, and it was smart, very smart by, 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 uh, by McNulty to, to try to drive a, uh, to kind of insinuate that Avon and any, uh, another Barksdale might have something to do with it. Um, saying that when he mentions the scene, not the scene, but the mentions the phrase, I guess he, I guess your son got squeezed between the sides. And then that really kind of sets her off. So brilliant acting by both uh, Michael Hyatt and Dominic West, and just smartly played by McNulty in regards to um, just planting that seed. And clearly she was moved by it after he left this, after he left the room, she began, she broke down, started crying. Uh, because she knows he's right from the standpoint of her, of her role. Whether or not she believes that he didn't kill himself or not, she knows, she does know that she was responsible for him taking those, for, for him taking those years. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, yeah, good scene. Set up, you know, set up for a major one. Yeah, yeah. No question about it. Um, so we go to we go back to Amsterdam. It's at, during the night. You see Omar and Dante driving through. Dante, of course, says, "Look, man, we can we can make a lot of money here. No muscle. It's all out in the open." Omar, of course, is smart in that and says, uh, "Doesn't it didn't frank, frankly just doesn't trust it." Says, "You know, they probably have cameras behind all those row houses." Says that this is a major. This is a setup for a a, a, a this is a uh, setup for a scoundrel. Uh, the trap of scoundrel, he says, you know, let's go. So he tells him a hey, home and uh, tells him, let's go home. And if we can, he says, if we continue to think this way, we're going to end, we're going to both end up back in prison. Um, so we find, so we see again, Omar focused in, focused in on, and, and we see the, the thinking Omar in, in this scene that he just completely doesn't believe that this could be, uh, that cops couldn't be in uh, Amsterdam. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, too easy. There's there. Yeah, that's not that's not anything Omar's ever gonna go for. So we go to Marlo and Devon. Uh, so Marlo's at a club. He's sitting down by himself um, in a in a small booth. Um, Devon, of course, Devon is the, is the girl that's been, that was hired by Avon. She introduces herself. She introduces herself uh, to him um, as she sends her other her other girlfriends off to you know off to the dance floor. As and we see uh, and we see Chris Partlow, his not Omar Marlo's number two, watching this entire uh, interaction. Quick scene, but uh, what were your thoughts on this? 
setup. Uh, we see the Deacon, Coleman, and Roman. They are discussing how to support people in Amsterdam with the with with they also with a public health official. Um, the public health, health official says that you know there could be some major things that uh, some major possibilities that we can do in Amsterdam as far as you know with the drug treatment and and what have you. So they so so the deacon again showing Coven you know another way similar to very similar we talked about you know reformers and talked about some of our characters very similar to how uh, Teresa de Gassino showed. Uh, Carcetti, another way in terms of his approach, the deacon and the deacon is showing uh, Coven uh, another uh, way in terms of what he should be doing as well. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, you named it. So we go to Marlo and Divine. So Marlo and Divine, he has sex with Divine in his truck. Chris, of course, is outside the truck. And they discuss the next time that they, uh, Chris, not Chris, Marlo and Devon discuss the next time that they will meet up. She gives her, she gives him her, her number, says that, you know, we should meet up before I head down to Florida, uh, before I head down to Florida. Um, and he, he takes her number, he takes her number and then he says, after you, uh, uh, as, she, as she walks out of, um, as she gets out of his truck, as again, as Chris uh, looks on. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so uh he she overplays her hair. She makes him suspicious. What, at That's what the point, point of the thing? So where do you where do you think where do you think she slipped up by giving her the nut when, when she asked when she said it's gotta be tomorrow, it's gotta be, you know. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's where that's where she slipped up. Yeah. yeah, and she even says not to press you, but because I'm going to my granny, yada yada yada. So she goes, she even comes back to it. Yeah, in reality, she should just yep, just gave him the number and she just overplayed her hand. Yeah. She just overplayed her hand. She, I mean, like it's a setup, so she's doing that so that so that um she can tell, you know, Barksdale, she can tell Avon and Peoples where he's going to be so they can take him out but she's too aggressive with it yeah yeah and i also want to point out so we see the dissension between uh avon and of course stranger and we'll we'll iron that out of course throughout throughout this episode in a major way look at the the, the absolute opposite is chris and marlo right now you see everywhere chris is at everywhere marlo is at you see chris so i think the i i, I think the writers want to kind of like show you a, a a drug you know a drug dynasty in that's crumbling versus a up-and-coming drug dynasty that's on their way up um so i, I just wanted to point that out as well um kima and prez so Kima and Prez go to the car rental agency. They find out that Bernard, uh, the Barksdale, of course, Barksdale soldier that not the Barksdale that the, the Barksdale was using the same rental um, car agency. So, yeah, careful from the standpoint of driving 200 miles, but not as careful in terms of the uh, using uh, the same car uh, rental agency. So they find they another again. This again helps them aid their uh, particular case. Uh, what were your, any thoughts on this scene? 
Set up. We go to Sharon Rock and the social worker, uh, of course, who is the sister of the fat faced Rick of, of the co-op. Uh, he, Sharon Rock bribes her for with the information from uh, her information with uh, with Omar. So, so he gets Omar's records and uh, with information from Omar's and Omar's peoples. Uh, so he gives her the money, she gives him the information um, and we'll see how that plays out. Worry, any thoughts on this scene? Shut up. We go to Slim Charles, Sapper, and Gerard. They are watching outside of Omar's grandmother's place, going over some strategies. Uh, you see Sapper and Gerard saying, what are we going to, you know, mentioning strategies, just mentioning dumb strategies. Which not Sapper is the one with, uh, Gerard is the one with the brace. Sapper is the one that's, that's just a complete idiot. He's talking about, you know, talking about going in and attacking the grandmothers, just some dumb shit. And then Sapper says, no, we're just gonna wait. We're just gonna wait and sit, we're just gonna wait here and be patient. And Slim Charles basically echoes that same sentiment. Uh, again, we'll see how this plays out. Um, not later on, but uh, later on in the season. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, shut up. So we go to Cuddy, go back to Cuddy, the Deacon and Roman. Um, Cuddy sees this, sees the, uh, a possible, a prospective gym. It was an empty, kind of like an empty, mini empty warehouse that has a potential if it's cleaned up for them to be a boxing, to definitely be a boxing gym in terms of how much space it has. Um, Roman says, hey, it's not much, it needs to be cleaned up. Cuddy says, you know, I'm, I'm good with the cleanup. Cuddy, Cuddy says, don't worry about the cleanup. And Cuddy expresses that, hey, this is my trip. This is what, you know, this is, um, Hold on, no, no. Matter of fact, let me let me slow down on that. Let me go to um, let me go back. I actually skipped the scene. Let me go to Stringer and Clay Davis. So, because this is important, very important. So Stringer Stringer meets up with Clay Davis. Um, so Stringer meets Clay Davis, and they go to apparently meet one of Clay's contacts. Uh, 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 one of Clay's contacts. So the guy that. Um, that Stringer is, thinks he's going to meet actually had no intentions of meeting him. He tells Clay Davis, you know, he tells Clay Davis, um, let him run for you. Let him run for you. I don't know BNB like I know uh, like I know any other uh, developers, uh, prospective developers. So clearly, the, the guy has, has no idea who Stringer is, and clearly, again, this is a part of um, you know, this is the ongoing hustle that uh, Clay has going, having, having Stringer think that this guy was supposed to meet him and they, this guy was supposed to meet him and they meet in the lobby, not in the office, in the lobby. And Stringer, again, just stands, you know, standing there just looking dumb as, as, uh, as Clay Davis talked, uh, briefly spoke with, with, uh, with the guy and the guy had, again, had no, had no idea who Stringer was and wanted no part of uh, meeting Stringer. Uh, any thoughts on this? The guy's a plant. That's the only thing. The guy's not a guy. He's not anybody. He's a, he can be a bum off the street who Clay Davis dressed up. The guy's a plant. He's part of the hustle. Right. That's right. it. Yeah. Everything else you name. Yeah. No, no, there's, there's no, yeah, no question about it. Uh, again, now we can get back to the Cuddy Deacon Roman scene with the gym. Again, Cuddy sees this, sees the possibilities of this place. Doesn't, doesn't care about the fact that it's dirty and needs to be cleaned up. 
tells tells Deacon, hey, this is this is my trip. I need to get from uh says, I believe I need to get uh I need to I need to take this, I need to go the rest on my own. Like I've got almost basically saying you've got me to this point to the deacon. I need I need to take the this is my this is my journey from moving forward that I need to make I need to go out here and now make this happen. Um what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, it's it's an extension of um it's an extension of when Avon said, you know, he's like, he's a man, Dennis. So there's a part, I mean, it's just like, it's owning, it's, it's owning your own destiny. It's owning your own stuff. Um, and so um, part of being a man is you take ownership and you, you go about, you go about your business. Um, and so like, that's, that's what, uh, that's, that's, that's the extension of this part. So we, we go to Carchetti, uh, an advisor, and Teresa D. D. Gasino breaking down Carchetti's hearing tapes. And of course, the advisor, of course, is echoing the same sentiments of, of Teresa saying you need to use kind, use softer, worn phrases um, that, you know, it's kind of, you know, breaking down tape from that standpoint. Of course, Carchetti is, says, what's the fun? In, what's the fun in that? And then D. Gasino basically says, do you want to win or not? So now they're in a, now they're full. They're fully engaged as far as trying to uh, mold, uh, you know, trying to take Carchetti to the next level and mold him into this top politician to this from a local politician to a, you know, a major player in the uh, city of in the city of Baltimore. Um, quick scene. But what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, you you named it. This is this is about now getting him elected. Yes. So Marlo and Chris. So Marlo, uh, he takes the call from Divine, um, gives her an address um, and a time. Says, "Look, any anything beyond five o'clock, I'm out. I don't do CPT. Uh, five and some change, I'm gone." Um, she says that she'll be there. He says, tells her to meet around. He tells her around this fish place called uh, called Lake Trout, and um, Chris is there with him. And of course, Marlo is is very suspicious of it. He says, you know, he says, what do you think about that? And Chris gives him a, a kind of like, you know, doesn't shake his head, but you know, kind of gets you know looks at him. And Marlo says, you know, maybe walking in. I says, I says I may be walking in later on. He says, I want you to, you know, go to get there early. Give me a read on it up front. Um, give me a read on it up front. So he, they, they both kind of sniffed out that something is not right in regards to, in regards to with this girl and this meeting. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, set up, but you named it. They, they sniffed it out. Uh, we go to Cuddy the Deacon. Um, not Cuddy the Deacon. Uh, we go to... Uh, Stringer and Brianna. Uh, of course, Brianna is, you know, has just had that meeting with, with McNulty. So she is eager to see Avon. And she tells Avon, she tells Stringer about the meeting with McNulty. Stringer tries to, Stringer says, I wish I could have talked to you out of meet, out of out of the meeting with Mo, with with um with McNulty that Levy told her about. Um, says that yeah, D'Angelo just looked for a way out. That's what the place, that's what the jail, that's what jail does to do. Does it, you know, does the guys put the just on the way out? And she says, you know, she continuously asks for Avon. 
Like, she's really not trying to hear anything that he, any excuses that he has to say about D'Angelo killing himself, because I frankly believe at that point she didn't trust him, to be honest with you. Um, so over the course of that scene, um, he mentions that no one, it was a key phrase that during that scene, she says, he says that no one should, should um, that, uh, that McNulty shouldn't mess with a mother's pain like that. Cops, she said, cops shouldn't mess with a mother's pain like that. And she responds, no one should. And to me, I took her as to say that she, again, was suspecting that something had been that, you know, that she had been, that she had been lied to about, um, about D'Angelo and, and what have you. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, yeah, you named it. We, we hear, we hear now everything, everything is, is going for the end. There's not really much. I, I, I'll, the end needs a lot. So yeah, yeah every, everything's set up for the end. So we hit, uh, so you see, you see Snoop, Snoop, and it was funny seeing where Snoop character ended up in the series and seeing her as a lookout. <laughs> so Snoop is Snoop actually plays a lookout in this scene uh, where she scopes out the place. They go to the food place, uh, the Lake Trout. She scopes. She's you know she's there eating her food. So she she sees the Barksdale soldiers buy the four sodas and tells Chris about the food order about the food order and about you know basically says how many how many soldiers how many people they have. Uh, so basically, basically able to identify how many people they have through the, you know, through the four sodas. Chris sees the truck and um, Chris sees the truck and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, we go back to Amsterdam um, and we see a healthcare worker passing out condoms, uh, passing out condoms to young ladies. We see uh, Collegio snaps on one of the kids, basically saying that, you know, when this is over, I'm, you know, I'm gonna kick your ass. And, um, and also during the scene, we see Colvin with, uh, you know, Colvin with the Deacon, though there was no, you know, they weren't talking or anything. So we see that uh, what the Deacon has been discussing with, uh, with Colvin start to kind of pay off a bit in terms of trying to provide some services for these people that are just, that, you know, that are dying on their feet to what, to, to what the Deacon said earlier in the, in the, in the uh, episode. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yep, set up. All right, we go to the big scene, uh, or one of the big scenes. Uh, Chris, um, Chris, Devon, and the bar sale. So, Devon walks. The bar sales are parked outside the the uh, the place, the uh, rest little mini restaurant, uh, the fish place. So they roll down the window, toss something out. I don't know what that was that they tossed out to Devon. I can't I, even. 16 years later, I can't make out what that was, whether it was money or a signal. I don't know. They tossed something out to Devon. She picks it up. Chris immediately sees, Chris sees this and um, immediately says, tells his driver to, um, to drive slow, go past him slow. He, um, he then proceeds to shoot the, uh, shoot the window, the back window of the truck. We see Avon get wounded. We see the guy sitting next to Avon is killed. And then we see um, we see Avon pull off the truck. Avon gets away, but he's wounded. Um, uh, so Avon gets away, but he's wounded. Um, a lot to kind of flush out with this scene. Um, what? Give me your initial thoughts on this. I mean, like 
if you have things you want to flush out on on the scene, you go first. Go. Yeah, I'm like so. First of all, it, I, I just want to go with the the plan. Like, I didn't have like the ideal that using the girl was fine. I had no problem with using the girl. We know we've seen many of men, many of women be powerful men be brought down by women. We know the mad, the power that women have can have over a man. So I, that part of the plan, I had no issue with. I guess the part to me is the idea, I guess my major part of the plan, the, the flaw in the plan, the fact that why is, why are you Avon in the truck? That was that that to me was the the major flaw of the plan. Like Avon had no business in that truck as the head of the organization. Um, and again, just shows you speaks to where he's at right now. You know, in terms of his mindset, like he wants, like he he like he wants to see. He wants to get Marlowe so bad that he wanted to actually be there. And basically, I, I guess I, I'm assuming he, if, if, you know, that he might have pulled the trigger himself if if, if Marlowe would have came out. The way it, the way it seemed, so he had no business there, and luckily and luckily for him, Chris didn't even know. Chris like Chris didn't even expect they didn't even expect Avon to be to be there. Or I I know if they, if they could have anticipated that Avon was going to be there, he Marla would have said kill Avon. So they they're not even. It was such a bad move that the other side is not anticipating that you were even going to put yourself in that position. That's how bad of a move that it was, and how. It was just dumb. It is completely dumb. And it makes again, it takes me back to um when Avon, when Avon wanted, we get back to we get back to Omar, him, him and Omar. When Avon initially wanted Omar in the series, I go back to season one, and they were talking about, you know, this is even before they killed Omar's dude, Brandon. He, he told he tells Sabino, not Sabino, he tell, yeah, he tells Sabino and and uh Weebay says. He puts the bounty out on him. He says ten thousand dollars if I get to holler at him before he gets got. Meaning that I'm I'm not gonna be there. More than likely, I'm not gonna be there when he does get catched. But just in case, just in case I get to holler at him before he gets got, his ten thousand dollars. Now fast forward to season three, he has to be there. Like he had, he has to be there when he had again had no business there. So that that was the thing to me about the plan that that jumped out to me on just how flawed of a plan that it was that the fact that he was actually in the truck, uh, in the truck to, uh, get, to get shot at, um, what were your thoughts? <laughs> There's so many thoughts to, to unfurl from what you said, real. Um, I'm just going, I, here's, here's what, here, I'll keep it fairly simple. Um, in that scene that you're talking about, um, the the giveaway is she she never ever like the giveaway is there's guys in the truck so uh, okay I guess I can't do this in it so you're so Snoop is not a lookout they're 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 scoping the they're counter moving they're counter moving and so they're trying they're trying to see and so so when the order four goes out um, that Snoop observes. Um, their communication, her and Parlo, um, are uh, now let's see if it's like just an order for, like they should just pick, they got there to go, they should just go away, or if it stays, then we know we're on them. We know we're on something. So honestly, that's the flaw in the plan. That's the flaw. Not any of the other stuff. That's the flaw right there. Because then when that scene where you reference, 
it's two separate scenes. Divine walks by and she kind of looks back at the truck, but they're scoping her very hard. So that keys them that she knows. Her. All she does is look back for a moment and then keeps on walking. And then after that, then the bodyguard throws some trash out the window. So there was never a picking up of a bag or anything like that. Like, so I just say that to say that's the level of detail of where Marlo and them were paying attention and the level of detail that the Barstow organization wasn't paying to the rival crew. Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know why Avon's in that truck. Stupid. I mean, I do know why. Cause he's, he's, he's in full on combat mode. And so he has to be out there. He's not a general that leads from the sidelines. He's a general that leads from, from the front. That's just how he's, that's how he's always gone about it. And you laid it out perfectly with that example right there. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is, this is more, this is more hubris. And I'll have like a ton to say, like I'm a, I'm a tie. Uh, I have a lot to say on Avon and Stringer from, from, from the last scene. And a lot of what's going on right now ties into that. I mean, so yeah, so I guess I mean Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to just try to flush out what their plan, what exactly what their plan was. Like they I guess they the plan like, was to use the vine, which they yeah, did to lure, use the vine to lure and get Mar- close to, to, to Marlo and Mar- then have him at a specific have him spot. Go to that spot. Yes, 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 yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's her granny where she said her granny's house is. Yes. That's the plan to lure him there. Yeah. Yeah. But of course they didn't they didn't anticipate that Marlo would be would have the place scoped out before uh would have them would there, there. scoping them out. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It, hubris, it, hubris, hubris, sir. They're not thinking. They Avon's not giving Marlo Carlo. No, no, he's not no, he's not. Or he's not. or the hubris is I can be anybody. Right. Yes. That's the hubris. Yes. Yeah. That's no. It, no. That's no. There's no two ways about it. And again, that. So. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So this. This goes back to you know what I mentioned about about war about just underestimating your opponent. Like, yeah, it, it, it speaks to you know you're going back to when you underestimate when you what happens when you underestimate your opponent in a war. So, yeah, there's no no question about it. Um, so we get to. Um, Okay, yeah, Stringer and Clay Davis and Shamrock. So Stringer is meeting Clay Davis. He gives Clay Davis a bunch of money. Um, we'll find out that number later on in the in the season because it was a big number. So it gives him a, it gives him a bunch of money. It says, you know, let's do it. Shamrock interrupts the meeting, saying Shamrock interrupts uh, interrupts the meeting, and Stringer sends him out before Shamrock can tell him what what transpired with Avon, of course. So he sends him out, tells him to close the door. So, um, uh, Clay Davis takes the money, of course, and then lets him know that, you know, if you're still in, if you are still, if you still have this mentality, then, you know, you're not ready. If you still have, if you still have this mentality moving forward, then you're not ready. But, but takes the money, of course. And then we see Shamrock comes in, uh, tells, uh, um, tells Stringer Avon's been shot. Tells him, you know, I need to tell Brianna. I, I need to, you know, I need to tell Brianna. And he says, and Stringer says, you know, keep the bee away from me. He says, don't, you know, don't, don't worry about her. Keep it, keep the bee away from me. And for the first time and the only time in the series, we see Stringer pick up a gun and, uh, you know, tuck, tuck a gun in his back. 
that was a, you know again that's the first time we ever ever saw Stringer uh, with a gun, and so now you know now he knows that Avon has uh, has been shot. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Or you want to wait? Wait. Okay. Um, Slim Avon. We see Avon go to an undisclosed location, um, and he's getting getting some pictures from a uh, you know from a from a some ransom dude that's giving him stitches. Uh, he tells them Charles, uh, you know, about tells them Charles basically, yo, we about to ramp this war up. Basically, we about we about to ramp this war up, um, saying that we're about to get back to old times. Um, any thoughts on this scene? Set up. Colvin Collegio. So Colvin Collegio walks past Colvin. They have a brief exchange. Colvin asks Collegio, "Where you? Where are you at?" And Collegio gives him his coordinates. Of course, if you remember, you, you go back to, to episode one. He asked the two new officers, "You know, where are you at in the building?" And gave them made fun of. Basically, not made fun of them, but basically gave them compasses. Sent, gave them compasses, compasses after uh, compasses afterwards. So he asked Collegio. That's common. One is that's kind of the thing that he does with new officers or with officers that have been working in a while. You know, where are you at? And then Collegio gives him his coordinates in the building, and he, I think. That was a brief exchange, but I think he noticed that Collegio was not, he somewhat noticed that Collegio, I, I don't know if he really thought about this, but we could tell Collegio, Collegio was not happy. And may, I, I, I got a sense that, that got a sense that Colvin kind of read that Collegio wasn't happy, was not his norm, was not happy about it, but they, you know, I might be reading too much into it. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, set up. And of course, we get to the big, the big scene that ends the episode, uh, Avon Stringer. So, um, before they, before they even discuss, before they even talk, Avon is with with a number of his soldiers, including Slim Charles, saying that you know, going through his next strategy with Marlowe, basically saying that we're not going to attack right away. That's what they're going to be expecting. We're going to see who got the biggest, who got the bigger war chest. Stringer interrupts the meeting and says, yo, you know, says, yo, we got to talk. And he interrupts it not once, but twice. The second time Avon sends everybody away. And then we see Stringer um, and Avon begin to, to begin to converse. And, you know, it, it starts out, of course, with Stringer saying, hey, you know, straight to the mattresses. And then, you know, Avon, Avon, you know, Avon goes into his, you know, whole, you know, not you know goes into his you know goes into his speech well when i see you i see a man without a country not hard enough for this right here and maybe just maybe not smart enough you know right for them out there for them out there Ooh. he says yeah that's that was that was a bar Whew, that was a bar that was a bar um he says i he says you know the difference between the difference between me and you i bleed red you bleed green and you know says you know what you building for us and then that that of course sets Stringer off. Uh, Stringer says, "You know, not hard enough. It wasn't. It wasn't the not smart enough that triggered Stringer. It was not hard enough that hit that trigger string." Stringer says, "Not hard enough because I don't. Because I don't shoot up a block indiscriminate. I'm not hard enough for this bullshit. Because I because I think before I take a life." And then Avon's kind of like, "Life? Like what life you take?" And then, of course, we Stringer lets him know that he indeed had 
He has no kilt, says, and gives him the reason why he had D'Angelo kilt. Says, I knew you wasn't going to do it. I knew Brianna wasn't going to do it. He says, 20 years, he had 20 years above his head. He said, there was basically no way that he was going to do that time and not bring down the whole organization. And then you see Stringer, and then they get into a wrestling match. And of course, remember, Avon's been shot in the shoulder. Stringer's able to overpower him and take him to the ground. And then, and, you know, basically saying, you know, and basically said what he said, what I just said, told you while Avon was on the ground. And Avon, um, he has, he's on top of Avon. Stringer, he says, let me up twice, not once, twice. And there was a pause. There was a, 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 there was a pause after he said the second, after the second time he said, let me up by, by Stringer, but Stringer finally lets him up. And then of course we see that. And then, you know, Avon, you know, obviously physically is hurting but it's more his pride and, and more about the revelation that his best friend killed, had his nephew killed. That was, that was the, the emotional pain. It was more of an emotional pain than it was so much physical with the shoulder. And then of course we see that great, great shot cutaway. It was a, this was a brilliant shot of them looking at each other and them separated. Avon sitting on a, sitting on a, a bed, Stringer is standing up um, just, you know, a, a legit top five scene in, in the history of the show and the, you know, the end of their relationship as we know it moving forward. Um, what are your thoughts? So I'm going to zoom way out first. I'm going to zoom way, way out. Okay. So here's the, here's the overarching like um, part of the show. So, uh, or commentary on the show. So, Two seasons ago, I, not two seasons, we're on three. So season two, um, I complained about the wires, not complained, I, I pointed out um, that the wire and the McNulty story of um, when he was chasing the dead girl and trying to have her family and how that was just having McNulty for something to do. And that was an, one of the rare examples of bad writing in the wire. Now I can point out something like this, like that, because then we have something like this, right? Which is, which is just at its excellence, what they did here. So a couple different things. The D'Angelo storyline at first appeared that McNulty was doing kind of like the exact same thing, just pulling on a loose end just to pull on it. But as we know, he absolutely was not just doing that. Like the show had, a much bigger plan for that reveal. And it's only episode nine out of a 13 episode season. And so for those of us who watch this show in that time period on a week to week basis, there was no bigger reveal than this. There just wasn't. It, I can't understate or I can't overstate how huge of a reveal this was. This should be a season finale reveal. So they're, they're, they're playing chess. Um, so um, uh, it's, 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 it's fantastic the way in which they shaped it and got us here um, shows how fantastic writing is. The second thing I'm still zooming out on is this is what separates this season apart from the other two and then what elevates this show as a whole going forward this right here the relationship between stringer and um and avon and the way they're choosing to play it 
as writers. Like this is now very theatrical. This is the beginning of it. This is the beginning of the Shakespearean. And 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 I cannot again overstate how much that wasn't seen on television. Um, and in particular, it definitely wasn't given to people of color, characters of color, to to pull that type of drama. And that's why it's so special what this show did. Um, and this is the this is very, very much the genesis of that. Um, right here, right now, right in this moment, the conflation of events that that happened. This is this is where the wire becomes something transcendent. Um so uh so that that being said, now we break it down into the the actual the actual characters because your 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 last thing that you said was one hundred percent correct. So I can't actually write an obituary on Stringer um Avon relationship one point oh because it is forever changed going forward from this moment on. Um and so the relationship up until this point in time, the reason why this is such a great scene is because it's two characters actually saying what they need to say to each other. Yes. They summed up their relationship in this scene. They completely summed it up and summed it up from a point of truth. Avon is wild. Period. In the sentence. Avon is not rational. Period. In the sentence. Stringer gave him that. Avon eviscerated him and one of the best lines I've ever heard uttered, in my humble opinion, definitely one of the best lines on the show. I think anybody will say that. But he says, um, not hard enough for this right here. And not smart enough for that out there. Yeah. That sums up Stringer perfectly. Like yeah. you could you couldn't you couldn't have done it, you couldn't have said it in any better way. It sums him up perfectly. He's playing, he's using both cards in the wrong world. So he's a man without a country. I mean, it's just perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Again, it's Shakespearean, it's theatrical. The words were not words human beings would say to each other. They were words to be written on a page, to be said out loud, to invoke what, what it is that they wanted to invoke of us. It's perfect. I mean, it's perfect. It eviscerated him and said everything that was to be said of, of the two characters. And so you get the sense of who both of those men are and it tantalizes you at what the potential change is going to be. I can definitely say I very much remember the emotional state I was I was in at this point in time in the series at that at that time in 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 my life and at at in that time in the year. And when specifically around the show, it was I didn't understand how the I, I didn't understand how Avon was not going to react. Like that that was where my my head was completely wrapped around at that point in time. Um how and when Avon is going to react. When I when I now put my put my 2020 self in watching watching that scene, it's not about Avon's reaction at all. It's about the realization of what the cost of all of this is for them. And so as probably someone else at the time could have figured out, but I just couldn't see it at that point in time. This is as foreshadowing as foreshadowing could ever be um, on what what is upcoming for 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 both of them. Um, and so uh 
Yeah, brilliant, 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 and I'm done. Yeah, man. I, it's, you know, you get brilliant writing. Um, it's like, you know, I, and I know the question. The question has been posed throughout the history of the show: uh, who's right, who's wrong. They're both right, and they're both wrong. That's what made this scene and made made this brilliant. Like Avon, yes, right now you are out of control. You are. We, you know. We we don't need every corner. We don't need, you know, we've already established we can make enough money. Stringer's trying to put him on to this new way of thinking. Like, yo, we can make enough, we can make plenty of money just just sharing the, the corners that we do have without trying to go toe-to-toe in war and, and trying to war with Marlo. Like we don't like we don't need this, you know, we, we need to evolve. Um, we need to evolve this our our operation our operation. Uh, so he's completely uh, right about that. And also, and I get, I've leaned towards Stringer more so even watching this season than I did in the past as far as his way of thinking because I, um, I think that, you know, life is about evolution and evolving and staying, you know, if you're not, you, you like evolve or die. So, you know, you have to constantly evolve, you know, as, as human beings, we need to be constantly evolving and, and, and changing, like you shouldn't be the same person that, that you were for a year ago or five years ago or what have you. So I understand, I completely understood his frustration with Avon from that standpoint. And what you also have to understand too is Avon, like he's telling, a, he's, basically, he's basically telling Avon, like, look, I, I feel like I ran this thing better than you did. When you were in jail, I had us, you know, I had us with the best product when we had no product and no muscle. And I still got us to a point that we had, where we had, where we had, um, the best product where you had where we had the best product so I, I completely understood where you know where uh stringer is, uh where stringer was coming from from that standpoint more so now than i did than i did um than i did in earlier years and and then look at the flip side with avon avon's you know you know avon's perfectly right he's right in his in his in his viewpoint like yo you are not you can't be half in half out when it comes to the drug game you either in or out and right now you you are halfway you are checked out trying to deal with some shit that you have that you're getting hustled that you that you're being hustled and you and that you're being hustled by so you're out you're completely out of your element out of your element if you were helping me i would be winning this war against marlo if you if you were helping me i'd be winning i would be winning this war uh with marlo because remember you know early early on in seasons even before the show started uh, they took down crews to get to gain those towers, and in order to gain those towers, you, I, they had to be assuming they had to be on the same page to take out those crews that uh, to to gain that type of revenue. So just uh, just you know, brilliant writing on um, all the way around. Um, and again, uh, to your point, yeah, that when when you hear when Avon is smacking the floor, he's smacking the floor that. He knows he knows in his mind that 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 that, that this thing is over. Not maybe his his his, his days. He knows his days of the drug dealer. Maybe because he may he's gonna he's always gonna think he's always gonna bet on himself and think that thinks that he can beat Marla and what have you and and will go on from there. But he knows that this friendship and that you know to, to your point, you talk about the cost, the cost of you know the cost of this. He knows was was you know was too much in regard in regards to the the you know, prop Joe and and all of that that went into it. So um, yeah, one again a legit top five scene of all time. Um, but to uh, moving forward, 
moving forward, this may not have been this may not have, may not have been the best scene that they ever that they've ever done together. So we'll we'll kind of flush that out over the course of the next few episodes as we head towards, uh, you know, the season head towards the season uh, finale. Um, we look at themes. I uh, mentioned themes earlier in regards to not exactly how we plan. We see a number of plans that just go awry in this episode. What is Avon, you know, trying to kill Marlo, whereas, you know, uh, you you see the plan of, of Colvin's plan with Amsterdam not going the way that, uh, even though he's taking, even though he's um, getting the, the numbers, uh, you see, uh, you see that, you see that he's losing the support of his, uh, of his uh, officers. So, um, and of course we see Stringer with the real estate, um, with the real estate that he, he's been, of course, being hustled by uh, by one Clay Davis, and that plan is is going uh, is going awry. So you know, plans that just continues. Yeah, you, you got a number of plans that continuously fell apart uh, in this uh, particular episode. Who was your who was your MVP? So here's what the show knows. New note. Here's what the show knew. Once you introduce X storyline, Stringer Avon storyline, everything else ceases to matter. And it's absolutely there. It's going to be hard to move. My everything, both awards go to Stringer and Avon. Okay. This is this is the A, B, C, D story. It's going to be hard to move off of those two for the next few episodes. It's going to be hard. So they, they yes, Stringer, Avon. MVP Chardine, you any any which way you want them. This is this is this is it. This is the story. <laughs> this is it. I actually had uh, I actually had Marlo as my MVP. Okay. For uh, outmaneuvering Avon once again, and again, correct. Yep, definitely see, did that. As we see his ascension into you know being the top dog. Western District, not the Western District, drug trade. I had Marlo as uh, as, uh, Chardine, of course, we know Chardine is the Avon Stringer, that scene. That goes. uh, In an episode that had a number of of quality scenes in it, there's a a very, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, very uh, well to say the least, well acted scene, well acted uh, episode with a number, with a number, yeah. with a number, with a number yeah. of few powerful scenes. Uh, you know, McNulty, McNulty Brianna was a was a powerful scene. And, you know, a couple of those, you know, cutty scenes, um, a couple of those cutty scenes as well. So, uh, but again, to your point, um, you know, the Avon Stringer dynamic will drive. The rest of this series, not series, but drive the rest of this season. So that 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 will go um, uh, without uh, without saying. Again, I, I think this is a legit top ten episode of all time. Um, I didn't. I, I'd like you know, even going back, even that going back to that Avon Stringer scene. I just when I first watched it, it was like, what? What just happened? Like, even even though even though we knew. Yeah. We knew it was coming, and, and the buildup was over the course of basically two and a half seasons. Still, was like he's like no, he's like he's not going to tell him that he actually 
at D'Angelo. He's mm-hmm. not really not going. To, he's really not going to there you go, and that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, like we we honestly we didn't have an idea because there was no precedent at the time for that. Like now, like I can think the Wire, and then I can go to Breaking Bad. I can go to to the Sopranos. I can go to da da da. I can go to um. Uh, board, not Soprano, Boardwalk Empire, you know, like uh, there's, there's a, there's a blueprint, a template for how to do this now, but back then there was absolutely not. So you had the general sense, I'll speak for myself, I had the general sense that of course this had Stringer killing D'Angelo had to come back, but the show was giving you no path for it because remember, well, not, I mean, the show's giving was giving you no path forward because they were switching they were switching plot points so thoroughly um so but what i did 1000% know in my heart of hearts is that when it did happen that that was going to be like the biggest reveal ever and that's why this show is genius because it didn't go down that way, but I won't ruin it. I won't say anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. To your point, it could just that. I mean, this episode. I mean, this episode could have easily been, uh, you know, that. I mean, that scene is like a, a season uh, season finale. Like right? <laughs> that's, that's that. Well, it's the reveal. It's the reveal. It's the reveal. That's what, yeah, that's what you reveal. gotta remember. The reveal is like it's the reveal. Like the 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 reveal between those two because of the way. They had shaped the um, Avon's arc and Stringer's arc, and how big family was to him, and how much, especially season two, you know, how much Avon was looking after him. And even though, you know, D'Angelo was being cold, we saw how much Avon cared about him, um, no matter how D'Angelo represented himself. So you just thought, man, when you just thought, you just thought, <laughs> whenever that happened, it was going to be the biggest thing to ever happen in the history of television. Um, and the wire's the wire. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, thinking about that scene. Just, so good. Know, yep. Thinking about yep. that scene, I'm like, and we we see this, we saw this in The Godfather, that idea of family and that that being even as prevalent than, than the actual mafia stuff, just that idea of family. You know, Stringer killing D'Angelo and then him telling Avon, he did this completely destroyed, destroys the idea of family within the Barstow organization in Avon's mind. And that, that Avon rather would probably, if you ask the character, I'm sure if you talk to Wood Harris, Avon, Avon probably would rather, would rather take a bullet than have the idea of family destroyed in his world. Like that's how, that's how keen, that's how, uh, that's how much he believes in family. That's how much he, uh, you know, he, he values his family from that standpoint, and you know, even through all his criminal activity. So, yeah, from that 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 standpoint, that that it was it was completely it was just brilliant. Um, but with that being said, we still have still have four, four episodes left, <laughs> so there still there will still be uh, more fireworks uh, without questioning. Some more appearances from uh, some season two cast members that uh, some more appearances to be made that we'll see some surprise appearances and uh, we will see now now everything now the shit has hit the fans you know 
Levine, Marlowe is in full bloom, is in full, you know, that war is ongoing. You know, Omar is back into the mix as far as being on the Barksdale's radar. And the police, of course, the police are hot, are right, are on the tail of uh, of the uh, Barksdale organization. So still a lot, still a four episodes left. Um, a third of the season still left and a lot to be discussed season three of The Wire. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of The Wire Remix. Uh, as always, thanks to Robert Sapp for joining the program. All right, sir. Be safe, Yelsey. All right. No question about it. And as always, you can find, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash C slash Real Deal Podcast. I will see you next time on this ed- uh, next edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Have a great, great evening.